Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to our Big Squid limited series, Space Podacy, a 10-part limited series where comedian Ben Elwood and I discuss some of our favourite science fiction movies. Today, we're getting crazy paranoid with John Carpenter's The Thing. for joining us today with part four. Part four, wow. Uh, Somehow felt like we were further into this, Um, maybe because we're still recording and we're a little bit ahead of you. But this is a 10-part limited series called Space Podacy, where Ben Elwood and I uh, were chatting about some of our favourite science fiction movies, going back over them, uh, you know, really digging into them and and reminding ourselves what we loved about them the first time and uh, also uh, becoming reacquainted with some of them as well. Uh, There's been a few that I hadn't seen for a long time and it's been nice to check it out again. When we decided we were going to make this, we went away and we wrote down 10 movies that we thought we'd like to discuss without the other one knowing. And then we got together and we (laughs) checked our notes and it was kind of fascinating. We didn't overlap once. And that is a good sign. That means that this idea has some legs. So what we did was we tried to work out a flow so we didn't have too many of the same types of movies in the series and we didn't want to go back to back with similar science fiction films. So as an example, if this is the first one you've listened to, we actually started with a classic. We started with 2001 A Space Odyssey. And then we followed that up with a recent cult classic in Under the Skin, and then we decided to go with an animated kids film in Wally. And then, of course, you have to balance that out. So today we're going 80s horror with The Thing. I'll tell you at the end of this podcast which movie is up next so you can watch it before next week. 
This has been a fun series so far, and we've been wrapped with how popular it's been too. Uh, you guys seem to be really getting into it. I think it may have been Thea who wrote to me saying uh, she can't wait for series two. We haven't even gotten to the end of this one. That is a good sign. I appreciate that kind of feedback. <laughs> Positive feedback, always welcome. Uh, a few weeks ago, I launched a Patreon for Big Squid that gives our patrons early access to works in progress. Uh, they got a taste of a short story series that I'm starting to work on uh, called uh, Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. They got a little taste of where that's at at the moment. So, uh, as I said, early access to stuff. You get scripts for each podcast and special one-off uh, uh, Q&A editions where the listeners and subscribers get to ask the questions. Uh, so what I'm going to do is tomorrow I'm going to release a little mini podcast on this feed that will have my review for the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. And I'll add a little sneak peek of our next Patreon only episode which is going up next week uh, and it uh, stars Total Reboot and why is Cat's comedian Cameron James Uh, he joined me yesterday to answer your questions and it was great he was in fine form and I learned a little bit of stuff about him too that was fun I wasn't expecting that so uh, I'll give you a little taste of that in case you're thinking that you might like to subscribe. Uh, also, being a Patreon subscriber gets you an episode dedication. And our shout out today goes to Linda Moulton. Uh, Linda has been so dedicated to this podcast that she has gotten up at all hours of the morning to watch our live online shows. And uh, Linda's in Florida. So every time I was thinking I was getting timing right for as many people as possible, there's poor Linda saying, yep. 5am. Fantastic. Uh, Look, Linda is a prime example of the good things the internet can do, and that is to introduce you to good people all over the world. So uh, thank you very much, Linda. And I hope you're a fan of this movie today. And that brings us to remote Antarctica, where a group of American research scientists are disturbed by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When the dog is taken in, it brutally attacks everyone and reveals it is a shape-shifting alien from another planet. Soon, our heroes must do whatever they can physically and mentally to stay alive against the thing. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gotta listen to Gary. It beat one of those things. The 
This is a message that goes direct to you, the listener. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, <laughs> so they have complete context on what I'm about to say. But uh, Benjamin Elwood sitting opposite me. This yeah. is yeah. what... <laughs> Day one and a half of being out of two weeks isolation. Totally, yeah. yeah. I'm free. Yeah, so <laughs> whatever free means, but yeah. yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks inside. Didn't we pick the right movie for this time? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I didn't realise that until today. Actually, I was like, wow, it really actually, lent into it. Didn't I actually we? watched it towards the end. I think I watched it on day thirteen of isolation, yeah. and it was perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the creeping paranoia, the suspicion. <laughs> Don't know if you can trust the people living with you and you live alone. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time the door knocks and it's a food delivery, oh my God, are they bringing it in? <laughs> but it was all right, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, have you had to do two weeks isolation? Like, not intentionally. <laughs> yeah, right. You just wake up one day and realise, oh, I haven't gotten out of bed for two weeks. seen anyone for years. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> to, to, to be clear, I did not have COVID. I was a close contact of yes. a... Um, COVID denial, yep. which uh, was an extra little um, bit of well, maybe they, bit of pill to swallow, to be may, honest. Maybe they're correct because you don't have it. Well, I don't have it, yeah, yeah. But they have it, <laughs> no, I so don't. there you go. Um, yeah, that was... Look, I don't mind uh, having to do two weeks ISO if it's a legitimate kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. to have to sit inside for two weeks because some gronk came right up into my face screaming about how COVID's not real. It turns yeah. out they have COVID. It's yeah. like, dude... Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, this one... Per- I've told you, but this one person was responsible for 70 people being in isolation for two weeks. 70? 70 people. Oh, my God. Unbelievable, you know? And, and an entire service being shut down. It was just yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, um... You know, I think the last time we spoke was two and a half weeks ago, and I may have gone off on a florid rant about um, anti-COVID, anti-vax people. Right. My position hasn't really changed yep. since then. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I thought, you know, some new information. Maybe it makes you see it from a different angle. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no just, I got no fucking time left for these just people. Just put it in a bigger font and yep. made it bold absolutely. with an underline. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, um, right. you know, uh, I'm a, I was all right. I, I like to read. Started a new job online, so yep. I managed it quite well. But yep. um, it was actually the people in my life that seemed to be more traumatized by it than I. Right. Like, my mum was freaking out. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Hey, and, yeah. and after about three days of her going like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. I yeah. had to say to her, mum, like, you have to stop. Yeah. What, how, how am I supposed to navigate the next two weeks? Am I yeah. supposed to just sit here going, this fucking sucks. This is terrible. This is terrible. It's going to be a long motherfucking two weeks if yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah. So, pro tip for anyone that is in that situation, schedule. Right. Schedule and discipline is the yeah. only way to get through it. Yeah, that's interesting. I said to you before we started recording that I thought that you'd dealt with it really well mm. and that meant that you had obviously been present because yep. it's like you have to be in every moment yep. to get yourself through it. Absolutely. I think, you know, similar to kind of when you're feeling depressed, I think, you know, sometimes your inclination is, oh, I don't feel like getting out of bed, so I mm. won't. Mm. I won't have a shower. I won't put clothes on. Mm. Uh, but th- just the very act of get up, mm. have a shower, yep. get dressed, get on your elliptical, do an hour, 
read for an hour. Like I was setting alarms. Yeah. You know, I'd open a book and set an hour alarm. Like you do not put this book down for an hour. Yeah. Because, you know, 12 to 18 hours is a long time yeah. to have to get through um, when you're only in a studio apartment. So um, I think the, the fuck up that people make is just, I've got all the time in the world and then kind of drifting through it. Right. Uh, and I think that is the recipe for madness. Yeah. I'd love to put you in isolation for three months because I reckon we'd open the door and you'd be John Wick. (laughs) I've often said a year in jail would be great for me. I'd get a lot of reading done. (laughs) Very disciplined, comes out, ripped, just smashing assholes left, right and centre because he can and he does it with impunity. Also does it because he knows he's emotionally and intellectually correct. Absolutely. You know what? Let's do it. Yeah, honestly, I've I've, I've often thought it. I've often thought like a year on a desert island, a year in, in ISO wouldn't be so bad. Introduce a bit of fucking discipline into my life. Oh, man. That's so funny. Um, so we should talk about this film. Uh, when, when did you first see this? So I came to this film quite late in life. I saw this for the first time in, I reckon, 2015. Right. Uh, and oh, I was right. very glad for it because I, I knew this was a, a revered film. But I thought it was very much in the class of any other kind of film from that era, like The Running mm. Man or whatever, that it would mm. just be a good lark, but it, that it would very much stick to the conventions of the time. Yeah. So my overarching um, <laughs> experience with this the first time was sitting there very cocky, like, oh, yeah, I know. I know how this is going to go. Oh, yeah. The black guy on the roller skates, he's the first one to go because, right. you know, it's a movie from the 80s. The black yeah. guy always dies first. Yeah. And along the way, every beat of this movie completely whiplashed me yeah. and completely took me by surprise. And um, and I think that's why it is such a brilliant movie, especially of its time, that I, th- I think it's deliberately bucking all the conventions of a, yeah. movie, of, a movie of this type. So that's really interesting because I saw this on video when I was younger and I wasn't smart enough to realise what it was doing with those conventions. Mm. So my memory of this film is that this is only the second time I've ever watched it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was why, you know, when we were coming up with our list, uh, like I really, that is one I need to go back to. It's like, you know, have a drink, everybody. My love of David Bowie. You know, young Americans first listened to it, didn't get it. Of course. Listen to some disco, listen to some soul, go back, listen to it, go, mm-hmm. oh, this song's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So watching it as a kid, it's almost like, you know, what do you remember? You know, the stomach becoming tea. You kind of you kind of remember all the big moments to yeah. such an extent that yeah. you forget the movie's full of subtleties. And yeah. there's... There's a lot more going on. And I, I loved it this time. I think it's a perfect movie. Yeah. I really do. I think it's uh, the, the sense of mounting dread uh, is exquisite. And I've seen it probably half a dozen times. And even on this rewatch, I was freaking out over certain shots, <laughs> yeah, yeah. over certain... And knowing full well what's about to happen, yeah. you know, uh, the blood's about to burst out of the thing. I know that that guy's the thing. Right. But, you know, just the way it builds, you know, and, and, the, and the subtle... This, just the subtle use of facial expressions, mm. you know, where it will suddenly cut to someone who's looking hell suspicious, mm. you know. And again, just playing with that expectation of your mind. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. But it's not that guy at all, you yeah. know. It's just a oh, man. What a fucking movie! What a movie! Yeah. So, 
here are the top questions on Google for the film. Uh-huh. So I just typed in the thing. Yeah. And these are the top four responses. Maybe, maybe I'll give you the second one last. All right. Uh-huh. Is the thing 2011 scary? Oh. I knew that would make you angry. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The third is the 2000, is the 2011 thing a remake? Then the next question is, what is the prequel to the thing? Oh, why are they just discussing the prequel? This is horrific. And then, uh, but the second one is, is the thing based on a true story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? Great. But um, anyway, that is based uh, on a true story. Sometimes, look. Who I'm watches not- the thing? And- <laughs> <laughs> who gets halfway through the thing? When that dog's face opens like some horrific flower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sitting yeah. there going, oh yeah, this could, this could yeah, really be maybe, maybe, maybe this is a documentary. <laughs> This is a, <laughs> well, that's a, uh, look. Maybe we shouldn't be making fun of those people. I mean, we should be lauding the special effects for instigating Fuck. people to think, "Oh, that must have happened." I tell you what. I tell you what. When this, I think this is top three greatest special effects movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The special yeah, effects okay. in this are just all right beyond so, the pale. So CGI I, lies awake at night, wishing it could look this good. Okay, so. Just at the top of your head, I'm not saying this is etched in stone. What are the other two? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. And Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah, right. The three greatest special effects movies of all time. Especially, right. and, 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 they're, and they're movies that the more you know about how it's done, the more yep. you're like, whoa, <laughs> that is. Or, like, honestly, I encourage everyone just to go and watch um, Feed Me from Little Shop of Horrors on YouTube. Yeah. That is the height of puppetry. That plant is alive yeah it is so alive and all of its personalities expressed through its lips and when yeah. you know how it's done it's incredible yeah, yeah, yeah you know like just quickly it's done it, it, it the the puppet was so heavy it couldn't move in time to the music so it's moving at half speed right and then it's sped up which right. means that when rick moranis is interacting with the plant he's talking like this oh wow yeah right it's um wow. it's um, incredible i did not know that incredible and it's like <laughs> there's never a minute in that movie where you doubt that that plant is completely an organic living thing yeah and then also in who Framed Roger Rabbit, I would encourage everyone to watch how that was made because that is just mind-blowing. That yeah. every tune, every object that every tune interacts with is a real life object and how they did that yeah. through puppetry, through animatronics. through It's just an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. You, what about Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I amended it. Zack Snyder's Justice League, the 2011 thing, yeah. and uh, Independence Day Resurrection. Yeah. yeah. That's what <laughs> and, like, and, and the final scene of Black Panther, where they look Mate. like rubber fucking puppets. We're, we're, we're trying to sell Patreons. We're starting to sell out. That's your correct answer. That's what the people want. Yeah, okay. They want, the, they want you to go full showbiz. Um, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like... It says something still very interesting about the film that these are the four top questions. Like it's yeah. so it still feels a little bit like if if you like movies, you probably like the thing, and if you don't like movies, maybe 
you have no idea about it. Yeah, it- it's it's definitely and and I, I feel that of the the two other movies that I just mentioned, I feel like that they're also perfect movies, and I, yeah. obviously it's all subjective. Um, yeah. but they very re- none of those three movies. They rarely show up in the best of lists. Yeah, yeah. And I think they are just masterpiece films. You know, of, obviously of their genre. You know, Little Shop of Horrors isn't Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, but um, know, as a as a as an homage to Fifty Schlock, and just in terms of a, the the camera shots and uh, the the special effects, it's a fucking masterpiece. I have to watch that again. Great I movie. That it's long, great. Probably since it first came out, actually. Oh. Uh, segment. First context, these are some of the sci-fi movies that came out before <laughs> and after. Yeah. So 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. 1981, Escape from New York. 1983, uh, Return of the Jedi. The thing comes out in 1982, of course. Uh, 1984, I cheated. I, I did. You know how I always pick mm. one. I couldn't choose The Terminator and uh, Starman. Uh, I think Starman is a masterpiece. I've never seen yeah, Starman. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited about that. Yep. And 1985, Back to the Future. So that's yeah. You you missed a very vital one. No, but that's it. That came out in 1982, uh-huh. and I'm about to mention uh-huh. that. <laughs> so these are the, some of the movies that came out that year, which were Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, yeah. Tron, yeah. Blade Runner, yeah. and a certain little fella called ET: The Extraterrestrial, <laughs> which John Carpenter cites as like the reason came out two weeks before. Yeah, I know, which is what John Carpenter cites as the reason the thing because the thing was a big failure. Yeah, um, and he cites ET as the reason the thing was a failure because everyone was looking at this cute little alien that looks like Albert Einstein and yeah. go and see this other movie that's got all this body horror, like oh. you know, penetration after penetration, Honestly, incineration. To oh. this day, again, I've seen it six times. I watched it the other day, and there's. When the thing emerges, every time I was audibly going, oh, yeah, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely confronting. Oh, my God. No, I totally agree. Um, so so I had that down. I had a feeling you already knew that. I think yeah. you may have actually told it to me in the first place. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just wrote a note for myself. Interestingly enough, I watched E.T. again, like, about five years ago yeah. for the first time in decades. Yeah. And I remember while I was watching it and the opening credits started and I thought, oh, this feels very John Carpenter-esque. Yeah. He's <laughs> darker than people give it credit for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And so, you know, huh. that starts off dark and then you get Albert Einstein. This one starts off dark and leaves you going, uh... Like, can I even trust who you are anymore? Well, can I even trust who I am anymore? Yeah, this is a disaster. Does the thing know who that he's the thing? Yeah. Like, that's... That's, a, that's something we'll discuss yeah, yeah, a little great. bit later, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Also, how fascinating, released on the same day as Blade Runner. Really? These two cult classics. And that, Blade Runner that, didn't do well either, did nah. it? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It, it, I have a lot of people who don't like Blade Runner... But it invariably uh, seems to be a high percentage of people who didn't see it until after it had been talked about mm. ad nauseum. Yeah. But I think if you kind of experienced it as close to the start as possible, mm. where the apocrypha of, oh, you know, there's a little segment where he dreams, you know, mm, and that was mm, mm. in magazines, mm. you know, you'd read it and go, oh, my God, God and your imagination would run wild with that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. But uh, both... Both films just... Both films are a real testament to how you cannot uh, 
deem something a classic until a very long time after the fact or dismiss a film until very long after the fact. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, most of the films I love were didn't necessarily do great. You know, yeah. I mean, we've talked often about The Fountain, yeah. uh, the Aronofsky film after Requiem. That was one of the most reviled movies of all time. Yeah. It got a weak cinema release. Yeah. And this is back in the day where there weren't, you know, it was 2006 or something. So yeah. it wasn't like there was thousands of films like there are now. And people just fucking hated that movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's... Except a, for you and me. Oh, it's a fucking masterpiece. Um, and that's only just in the last few years started to get kind of people going, you know what? This is something else. Right. I think when when something new, when people see the, the genuinely new... Yeah. It can be quite jarring, and so it's easy to just go, nah. Yeah. Nah, it's shit. That always uh, felt like it had a bit of a comic book structure. The Fountain? Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, did, he released it as a comic. Yeah, yeah, but like when you were first seeing it, it's yeah. still, you know, it's uh, another film that's like that, surprisingly enough. Not my original thought. Adam Richard pointed this out to me. Is Slumdog Millionaire yeah. reads like a comic book. Yep. So when other people are going, what's going on with this structure? We're going, uh, latest issue by Alan Moore. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Multiple narratives, guys. Yeah. yeah, not a bad thing, but yeah. just funny to kind of see those things on the big screen. Yeah. But um, yeah, E.T., isn't that... It's all very interesting why this has not, uh, uh, you know, found its niche until much later. Yeah. Um, so there's a few decisions made with the film that work beautifully for me. First up, I love that the alien is smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. It's like normal monsters are just monsters, but this is a smart monster, which yeah. is like, oh, it knows what it's doing. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I mean, there's a way of looking at the monster where it's like, it's just trying to survive, right? Right. You know, and from our perspective, it looks... Horrific. Yeah. But if we went to some other dimension and there were like, whatever, sentient flowers or something, and we yeah. were just eating them to survive, we'd look like some horrific yeah. fifth dimensional creature. So, I mean, in the, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, obviously from our perspective, it's horrific and it's terrifying, but I don't think that, that it's evil. It's just an organism that's trying to survive. Right, right. You know, um and 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 it's hyper intelligent. Yeah. You know, it tries it freezes itself when it realizes that there's nothing that it can yeah. uh, morph into. It um inhabits, I mean, it's arguable whether it's one or two people initially. It's definitely one person when that dog that shot of that dog walking down the hallway might be the most bone-chilling thing I've seen in a movie. And it's so innocuous, just a dog walking down a oh, hallway. Like, it is terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, just like knowing dogs, the fact that the dog never looks down the camera, the fact yeah. that it's just... I mean, what an actor that dog is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, within the first 15 minutes, it's clearly inhabited one person. We don't know who it is. Um but you know, I mean, I often ask: does the does the does the thing not realise that it's the thing until it's necessary for it to? And is that a survival mechanism? Like, that's one of my questions about yeah. it. Like, that's part of. Um, I wonder if I can find where the question is. Uh, well, anyway, I think it's something along the lines that I'd written down. Uh, uh, like, are you better off not knowing? <laughs> Yeah. Like, if you're the thing, don't know. Yeah, and then, I've, I've got my theories, because I think that the um, Norris, who's the guy that gets the CPR, yep. whose stomach bursts <laughs> yeah. open, oh my God. I don't think he knows that he's the thing. Right. No. Because um, the attack happens when he's kind of unconscious and, you know, kind of dead. Um, uh, um, Palmer, 
the guy who becomes the thing when they're doing the blood test. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but just before <laughs> Kurt Russell goes to test his blood, it cuts to um, it cuts to Palmer, and he makes this little like, "Oh, here we go!" <laughs> like it's like this ridiculous <laughs> face where he's almost kind of like shrugging his shoulders, going, "Okay, well, I'm about to be exposed. I'm about to yeah. fucking eat everybody." Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, that's the that's the beauty of this movie. You constantly have to ask yourself, like. You know, who, not only who's the thing, but, you know, is the thing even aware that it's the thing? Right down to the very end. Yeah. You know, that, that final scene, which I'm sure we'll get to with um, uh, Keith, uh, Keith uh, what's his name? Alan. Childs and McCready. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating little wrinkle to make it assimilate to such an extent. It's just like, no, nah, I'm Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. I'll have a cup of coffee. Thank you. Yeah. And then when Goes the time is right. You know, you know, that's that would be the sequel I'd make. I'd just have him assimilate, and like no one ever like it's a sitcom. Like, so, but every episode, there's something that could set him off. Yeah. Uh oh, so I did it again. So, as an audience, you're always feeling this tension that oh shit, because yeah. if this thing wakes up, he's got a job in downtown New York, and he's about to eat this city. <laughs> But it's a comedy. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the things we do. Boo, boo, doo, boo. <laughs> uh, trademark, uh, Hamo and Ben. <laughs> I know Hollywood is out there looking for an idea like this. Um, and also, uh, you know, just uh, having a start where it's a helicopter chasing a dog and shooting mm, at the dog. Mm-hmm. And your first reaction is, oi, <laughs> it's a beautiful dog. Yeah. I actually watched this with... Um someone I was dating uh, a few years ago and uh, she actually requested the movie be turned off five minutes in because she couldn't handle the people shooting at the dog. Yeah, right. And I was like, no, no, just, 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 you know, yeah. you don't want to tell her what's going on. It's like, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there's, there's context. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see a dog get shot. Yeah. So, well, you definitely don't want to see what that fucking dog turns into. Yeah, no, that's actually a good point. Like, it was good that she said that she didn't want to see one get shot because you saved her from something much more horrific that she hasn't even contemplated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that was a, that was an act of mercy. Yeah. That was a, that was a nice thing. Anytime you feel bad about yourself, Remember this moment because I spared you the flower face dog. Oh my lord, that poor thing <laughs> squirting fucking Twinkie gel all over everyone. Ah <laughs> uh, uh, uh. oh, man, uh, so this is a film that focuses on uh, paranoia and mistrust uh, and uh, the erosion of trust yep. as well, right? Yeah, and it is uh, uh, rewatching it after all this time. Uh, the film's quite muscular in the way uh, it tells the story. There's no faffing about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many ways, I'd never thought this before, it feels closer to the beginning of Alien with normal workers, you know, yeah. just hanging out, doing their job. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we have to deal with this. Um, I don't feel like the movie needs any other explanation added to it. Do no, you know what I, I mean? mean? Like, that, I feel like it's perfect in that sense. That's why it is a perfect movie. It, it is lean as. Yeah. There's not an ounce of fat on it. And, um, you know, any less ambiguity would be damaging to the film, you know? Because I, I rewatched that last shot this morning and had a completely different interpretation than I had two days earlier. You know, it's so great that you, you know, 
they could both be human. They could both be the thing. Yeah. Neither of them could be the thing. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, and, and did you find in our current COVID situation, it, it almost became a parable about COVID. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you double vax? Don't know. Yeah, don't know. I have no idea. I got to just no say, oh, oh, well. God, I don't want to be alone with you. Well, let's <laughs> share this scotch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating last scene because it's almost like a, well, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. So we might as well just sit this out. Do, do you have a Do you have a interpretation or a theory on who? Oh, uh, let's let's save that for right. a little bit later. Sure. That feels like a natural landing point. Sure. God damn it. <laughs> um, the also uh, getting back to there's a few alien thing parallels. Yeah. The uh, the Norwegian base is like the alien spacecraft. Yep. yep. Uh, Far from civilization, uh, confined quarters, uh, scary alien ship. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The danger of breaking quarantine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aliens bursting from chess, you know. Like, even I think Ripley and McCready have similar haircuts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I was watching it going, what is happening here? I'd never thought this before. Um, is, is that something that may have led to the film not being as successful as well? Like, because Alien came out in 79 yeah. and was such a... Like, when that landed, that thing... Like, I knew about it as a kid. Like, that's like... Yeah. Everyone was so traumatised when they talk about it, they'd accidentally forget you were there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I wonder if that had a bit of a ripple effect of, no, 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 we've we've done that and now we want E.T., you know? I I think that's what it is. I mean, from what I understand of film of that era, it was like, you know, Alien was kind of like the last, you know, towards the end of that kind of like cynicism of the 70s and everything's fucked and all of that. And then, you know, you get the rah-rah Reagan 80s where it's like, you know... cocaine fueled. yeah. we're the best and, the you know, hey, white picket fences and manifest destiny and all this shit. Uh, so to have a movie that, I mean, and it is a, it's an apocalyptic movie. Yeah. It's, it's, there's <laughs> no hope. Yeah. There's no hope. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, the more I think, I mean, again, we'll get to the ending, but you know, it's, it's awful. I, I don't know how anyone, I mean, people like us walk out of a movie like this going, Cool. But the average, the average film goer who doesn't, you know, maybe appreciate the complexity of practical effects and mm. doesn't enjoy marinating intention. Uh, like I know a lot of people that don't like horror; they just don't like that feeling. Mm. I love that something pretend can make me terrified to yeah. walk down the hallway <laughs> to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, but I get it; people don't like it. So I, I you know, I, I'm not surprised that this. Landed when it landed, that it was not received well. If yeah. this had been in 1978, I reckon it would have been a mega hit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Right. In that kind of nihilistic time of film. You know, think about something like Chinatown, which I think that was towards the end of the 70s. Yeah. You know, that's a fucking nihilistic movie. Yeah. And that was a giant hit. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It just kind of lands maybe a few years too Couple late. Years too late. <laughs> Yeah, I had not thought of that. That's interesting. So, uh, Alien screenwriter Dan O'Bannon was a film student in 1970 at the University of South California where he worked with a classmate on a graduation short film and that was John Carpenter. Mm. And that film became the cult classic Dark Star. Star. So, maybe a little bit of just osmosis, you know, coming up with ideas. It was a kind of nice... Uh, surprised to sort of see those parallels, but it's still it's completely its own thing. Yeah. Uh, 
but you know it's kind of given a different kind of um uh, flavor. Did you? Uh, I wonder if that came out on the microphones. So for the people listening, there's uh, kids upstairs. I think uh, they have must have marbles. Marble run. Yeah, and yeah, then right. you, you hear them drop now and again, <laughs> and it's like, did I hear that, or have I got kidney stones again? <laughs> no, everything's going to be okay. So, something uh, the, the, uh, talking about the parallel between alien and thing. Uh, you know, talking about the monster. Um, this is the only. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the only monster movie where, like, as scary as the and the alien is terrifying in Alien, but towards the end when he's chasing Ripley around, it becomes very evident that it's a guy in a suit, guy in a rubber suit. It it has somewhat human proportions. Yeah, there is nothing human about the thing, and I think that's the other really nauseating terrifying thing about it yeah right that it's that you know I think there's Ugh. it's that uncanny valley thing where your head I mean clearly in this day and age you're looking at it going wow that's an incredible uh, you know um, rubber puppet yeah but back then there would have been that real like what how is that even yeah what is fucking happening yeah and that's why you have the second most google question was <laughs> <Is it> really- <laughs> based on a true story I saw the documentary it was terrifying <laughs> I mean to this day I mean you, you see that chest bursting scene and like I can kind of guess how it was done yeah but at the same time my god what an effect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as all those tentacles are spraying out of the chest cavity and the neck's tearing off and the head grows legs. And it's oh like, what? How is, what is happening? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, that uh, goes into my next question, which is the film's not only visceral, it has a smell to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. So uh, which part of the film creeps you out the most? Uh, the, the part that I was, like, gagging at this time was when Blair... The um the 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 scientist is yep. dissecting. Oh. I can't remember if he's dissecting the the big lump of mash that they find at yeah. the Norwegian base. Yeah. No, no, no. He's it's 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 the dog. It's the dogs. Oh, the dogs. Uh, and he cuts he cuts this membrane open and peels it back. Yeah. And it, it's it's like covered in KY. And and I was reading an interview with John Carpenter. He said all the slime is um. It's the stuff that they use to make the inside of Twinkies. Oh, like purple, right, right. viscous purple stuff. Right. Um, that is just, be, like, so fucking gross. Um, but it was little things this time that really upset me. Like when, um, uh, uh, so during the blood testing scene, when uh, uh, Palmer eats um, Windows' head. Yeah. And Windows <laughs> just kind of slumped in the corner, covered in blood. Yeah. And Kurt Russell just walks up and <laughs> torches him. And just the way his arms and legs are flailing around, it's like, oh, God, this is just so awful. Yeah. It's like there's, there's no good way to burn someone to death. It's just horrific. And you really get that, like, they're burning someone to death. This oh, isn't my some Lord. little effect. It's yeah. like, that guy's incinerated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's um, but it, it, you it, want to make sure you get that done in the first take. Totally, oh. it's 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 it's. I think every effect in this is profoundly brilliant. To, to be yeah. able to watch a movie where you can see that it's a puppet, or you can see that it's rubber, yeah. and you can see it six times, and for every time I watch it, to be like, oh, yuck, <laughs> is you know, I can't think of a modern special effects movie that predominantly uses CG that ever 
gets me that viscerally. You know, they can animate slime and they can animate stuff dripping, but yeah. it doesn't. You know, it's you know, it, it's like when they do CGI blood spurts. It's yeah. like. Ugh. You know, sure, your program got the drips exactly as they would have dripped, but, you know, this is an image, you know, the same with fire, that yeah. we are hardwired to just know whether it's real or not. Yeah. And you can't, there's no substitute for actually doing it. Yeah. Um, and that is, I feel like a good moment to mention, the greatest crime of the 2011 prequel. Okay. I don't know if you know the story behind that. Hang on. No? What? They built the most incredible animatronics yeah. for the 2011 prequel. Uh, you used to be able to find a lot of footage of it online, and I think the studio has banned it. But just, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the natural evolution of what animatronics could do 30 years after. Right. They're incredible. Like a guy literally splitting in half and this monster bursting out, and it's just like, whoa. And because it came out in 2011, when it was just this gross CGI fest, um, the studio made the most harebrained decision I've ever heard of in a movie and pasted over all of the physical effects with CGI versions of the effects. And they look like dog shit. It's the oh most God. ugly. And it's, it's such an insult to the people that made these puppets that are so... Like, even just seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's like, that is fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, right. But, and for some reason, they just decided to cut and paste CGI over it. And it looks terrible. We've we got to get a hashtag going. Release the puppet cut. Release the puppet cut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the movie still would have been bad, but, you know, those, those effect sequences would have been brilliant. Does it, does it maybe make the film a bit better? What? Like if it's, you know, practical effects, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it, yeah, interesting. Of course it does. It's like when they... Um, no, no, but you were saying, like, it's still probably bad. Does it maybe possibly make it good? It'd make it better. Yeah. It'd, it wouldn't take you out of it like yeah. the CGI does. It's like when they... Um, in Star Wars, the second one, what's the, whatever the second one is, Attack of the Clones. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they decided to introduce a CGI Yoda. And I watched a documentary about that where they're like, oh, my God, you know, we created this CGI Yoda and we spent so long studying Frank Oz's puppetry and we noticed that Yoda's ears, because of the rubber, they have a little bounce in them. So we animated the little rubber bounce into the ears. <laughs> Why don't you just have a puppet? Just have a puppet. We know he's fake. Yeah. No one's thinking Yoda's real. No. At least when he's a puppet, I know that that's a real object in space, not yeah. some gross CGI shiny thing that is now a hundred times less real than the puppet would have been. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, I just don't understand it. I was praying for a big renaissance of physical effects. Yeah. And a few movies have done it. Mad Max Fury Road's a great example of that. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it, it really breaks my heart that there hasn't, you know, that we that, that films continues to lean into just aggressive CGI when practical effects are just so, so much more effective, so much more immersive. So is it a choice or is it a an insurance issue? Is insurance too big to, like, studios just don't want to take out massive insurance 
On what? On the fact that if they do practical effects, someone could get hurt. But CGI, they'll just have to, you know, get some wrist straps. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just a thing of, like, it's just easy. And, and you know, it's yeah. like, it seems to me like a marketing, or not a marketing, like a business decision where it's like, well, you know, the market has proved that CGI movies are very successful. And yeah, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. It's not a creative decision to me. It's a it's a um, bottom line decision. And, yeah. you know, look, I'm probably just becoming an old fart, but I just <laughs> feel like I can't fully get on board when I know that it's just been animated in a computer. Yeah. CGI has its place. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It absolutely does. But, you know, I mean, I, I rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies mm. and, you know, they're great. It's just a dude in a suit running around. Yeah. You know, there's, there's shots in some of those new Spider-Man movies where it's like, it's a CGI Spider-Man. Yeah. In, in a scene where it doesn't need to be a CGI Spider-Man. He's yeah. just standing there talking. Why is yeah. he fucking CGI? Yeah. It's a very strange decision. I don't yeah. know, anyway. Um, FYI, the, uh, the part of the movie that creeps me out the most is the first malformed human corpse that they find at Ooh. the Norwegian base. Yeah. So that's what you were talking about with Uncanny Valley where you're looking at something going, <laughs> well, that looks almost correct it's like when AI create life and AI says this is what life should look like and it comes out with that and you go oh Oh, man yeah 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 Um, (laughs) what I love about the men is there's some hard men there's some idiots and sometimes they're both yeah (laughs) do you find them to like not be quite freaked out enough at the beginning of the film. Yeah, I was about to say when you when you said the thing that they find at the Norwegian base, they handle that quite well. When they when they, when they first bring it back and they lift up the sheet and all that gross. I mean, when you talk about the movie smelling, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the moment. Where it's like, oh, it stinks. Like we're yeah. all gagging and retching as as fumes and smoke come off this thing. I feel like they take it in their stride pretty well. I feel like if I saw that, I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are thawing this to burn it. Yeah. That is... Yeah, and we're not going to go investigate. We are incinerating this thing. I think yeah. in that moment you would go, oh, that's why those Norwegian guys had lost their mind. Yeah. Because this was at their base, whatever yeah. the fuck this is. And how long's on been going on there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that and that Bennings guy is like, oh, it's the greatest. This is going to win us a Nobel Prize. <laughs> Dude, burn <laughs> it. It's going to win you anything. <laughs> It's going to win you an appreciation of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to win you the most fucking awful terror you've ever experienced before oh you're assimilated. God. You know, you, you know kind of what kind of men you're dealing with very early on when McCready's pouring the booze into the computer yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like going, mate, back then that thing was like worth thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's a half a million dollar chess computer. Also, you know, you, you can't go online and get in touch with, you know... <laughs> fucking Apple store and say, oh, I need a backup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. He's just smashing shit left, right, yeah, and yeah, centre. Yeah. And, it's it's so and it's weirdly self-destructive because it's like, well, you've still got six months in the middle of this. Like, at yeah. least it's like, yeah, it beat you, but it's something to do for the next six right. months. Get better. Get better. <laughs> yeah, just get better at chess. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> um, that's also how he decides to take out the base. Yep. He is just like, well, if I can't win, I'll take everything down with me. Yep. Um... So is this part of what makes the film nihilistic, you know, that in 1982, with the threat of nuclear war, we were scared that this is actually what America would do if it were ever attacked? Yeah, I think that's exactly what America would do if they were ever attacked. The concept of mutually assured destruction never comforted me. Oh, no. Especially when one side would, you know, I mean, you know, when when Trump was in charge, you're not telling me that Trump wouldn't have fucking taken the whole temple down? 
on top yeah. of his own head if it meant winning, winning. Of course he would. Yeah, 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 yeah. That ending's a visual reminder of where the world was at. <laughs> Two potential antagonists just sitting there going, nah, you know. Yeah. What are you thinking? Nah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. What are you thinking? Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we surprise each other. <laughs> also, interesting, no women in yep. the film as well. Yeah. Which makes it, uh, gives it a really interesting edge. And uh, it, it's one of those ones where, you know, sometimes you look back and you go, Hey, come on, you could have put some women in this, but it feels like this is part of the theme. Yeah, I think it's part of the theme. I think I think a lot of it's about, you know, uh, machismo, male paranoia, mm. uh, the, 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 you know, this kind of like futile competition to be the alpha. Although there is a point in the movie where they all willingly and very happily cede control to McCready. Yeah, who doesn't uh, really want it? Who doesn't want it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, they reject the two people that do want it. Yeah. Um, I think Child steps up and they're like, nah, man. Nah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> in fact, they try to give it to Norris. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Who, he's, he's like, I can't handle it, guys. And funnily enough, he's the thing at that point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting going back and tracking when you think each person has become the creature. Yeah. And... You know, empathy and, you know, being able to have some uh, intimacy with someone is what identifies it. Yeah. <laughs> because they're all useless men yeah, yeah, and yeah. they can't do that as normal guys. It's yeah. like, um, how do we deal with this? <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, I was even thinking today where it's like, why are they going to their fucking separate quarters? Why yeah. are they? Why are they all just bunking up together? But yeah. it seems like it's leaning into that thing. Like, oh, no, 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 yeah. no, I need my, I need my, my yeah. own room. It's like, no, no, no. Now's the time to all set up cots in the main room and not ever be fucking alone again. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, we got to keep an eye on everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Even the way they like split up off into teams. It's like don't. you know you can just go and do each task sequentially. You don't yes. need to go and do it yes. all at once. You guys keep an eye on things. We'll do this. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm we'll gonna pair to off the next with one. this guy. No. What? What are you pairing off with anyone for? Well, I guess in their defence, in 1982, they hadn't seen all the horror movies that were giving them the yeah, yeah, <laughs> tropes. Yeah. Do you ever wonder if you would um, succeed in one of those situations because you'd be able to, through your extensive knowledge of these types of films, <laughs> find a path? I, I like I, to think it. I, I, I think this is one of those perfect movies that absolutely makes you think, how would I react in this situation? Yeah. And I know exactly how I would react in this situation. Yeah. I would take Gary's gun out of his holster and blow my fucking brains out. There's no fucking... There's no... There is no scenario where I'd be like, yeah, let's see how this plays out. The first time I saw a guy's head split open, the first time I saw those dogs going, boom, bye. Good luck, guys. Oh, my God. I'm out of here. That is far out. That is, well, uh, we'll release this episode for Christmas. And uh, <laughs> how are you feeling today? <laughs> how would you react? How do you think you'd cope? I'd beat it to death with my yeah, fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a real man. <laughs> yeah. Finally, yeah, that'd be you. the moment. But I'd like my glasses would just explode off my head because I didn't need them anymore. Wow, perfect eyesight! Bang, bang, bang! Back to whatever planet you came from. Project the face of your father onto the creature and beat the shit out of it. <laughs> I don't know what he looks like. Perfect. He yeah, could be the could thing. Be anything. Yeah. <laughs> also, having uh, having all men as well. Mm. Like you feel like if there were 
a couple of female characters in it, you you go, well, at least one of them is going to be getting there to the end. But when it's all men, you're like going, I have a feeling no one is safe here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I could be wrong. I'm not wrong about this. There's definitely females in the prequel. And I believe... Yeah. I could be wrong, but I believe that they go down the really easy route of one of the women is the thing and she's like, hey, come into the storeroom and let's fuck. That whole trope of like, you know, like seducing, a which is so fucking hackneyed and like, oh, come on. You know, it's so weird. I saw that film and I can remember none of it. It's awful. That was back when I was reviewing film. So, you know, it'd be, uh, it's funny to remember that you've watched a film, but... All I can really remember is Mary Elizabeth Winstead is the lead, I think, looking mm. a bit Ripley. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or looking a bit Kurt Russell, depending on which angle you get the haircut. Of course, yeah, yeah. And it's set in the Norwegian base. It's yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, question. Is Blair an alien when he is initially locked up, or does he become <laughs> infected when nobody is around? I, I've thought about this a lot. I think that he's infected when he's in the shed. Yes. I think I think his his freak out where he's destroying all the shit yeah. is a genuine human reaction of like this is bad and yeah. we can't allow anything to leave the place. Yeah, because uh, his demeanor is dramatically different when they come back to him when when the noose is dangling. He's like, I'm all better now. Yeah. I'm all better. Just yeah. let me back inside. I promise I won't hurt yeah. anyone. I think he's the thing. Then I think yeah. whoever snuck out um, to get. Uh, I think his name is Fuchs, the, uh, yeah, the doctor yeah, that, yeah. that burns. You don't know what the fuck happened to that guy. Yeah. Um, I think in, in that moment, um, he got into the shed somehow and got Blair. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then it's already like fucking making a little spaceship, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Have you ever it's like, what is this creature's true form and how does it pilot a spaceship? Yeah, well, I reckon it might be Rick, <laughs> Look, judging by the shape of that spaceship from Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, trademark Ben and Hamo. Yeah. I know Rick and Morty writers are listening. They'll do that. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, it's uh, th- that's part of what I love about it. it. Once again, it's so hideous, but it is completely on track knowing what it's trying to do. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and that's the. Um yeah, that, that that is the true. If it was just some kind of aimless thing, it's not so scary. But yeah, um, yeah that it's got a that it's got a direct mission, uh, yeah. and that it's picking its moments. Yeah, you know, and it only reveals itself when it has to. Yeah, kind of interesting as well, where it's uh, like Kurt Russell's almost like a you know a Hollywood action hero, but you know that whole bit with Blair that feels like. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, like dealing with the madness that it can't control from a greater place, from something that you can't describe, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. kind of collide. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a terrifying sequence where he's looking at the computer simulation. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I can't remember, I think it's 3,000 days or something. Yeah. So what is that? 10 it- years, three years? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a short amount of time before the entire world's population. Yeah. And you've got to assume it's not just humans. It's fucking everything. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. is the thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, so you, when you're initially assimilated, mm. you, you think you're fine. What do you think? Do you think that the thing knows that it's the thing? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's some kind of defense mechanism. I'm now this person. Oh, no, I better get back. 
Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, or, I, um, or I can turn it on or off or... Yeah, I mean, again, that's the, that's the beautiful ambiguity of the, of the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think, like, I can't interpret that look that, um, that Palmer gives just before he's revealed as anything other than, here we go. Yeah. Like, it's such a, it's such a pointed shot. Yeah. Um, and the face that he, it, like, if you're watching it for the first time or watching it again, like, look for that moment. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, like, he knows what's about to kick off. Yeah. So maybe it's just that thing <laughs> where it's like when an opportunity presents itself or when you're about to be revealed, you suddenly remember that you're the thing. Yeah. Because remember, it's Palmer that is the one that sees the, um, the spider head crawling away and yeah. says the funniest line of the whole movie. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so in that moment, it's like, is that the thing not realizing it's the thing and being genuinely like, what the fuck? Yeah. Or is it the thing doing such a perfect impression of this guy that, yeah. you know, he's, um, that, you know, he's, uh, yeah, just, it's nice, isn't it? It's there's, juicy. there's this, ambiguity to this thing uh, pun the mild pun where you know exactly what it can do but you're also a bit fuzzy around yeah. the edges and that adds to the uh, the horrificness of On it. On the paranoia. Like there, there, there's um, there's some great shots of windows uh, when they're um, testing the blood and Kurt Russell's just about to stick the wire in the blood and there's that they keep cutting back to windows and he looks quite sinister mm. and, it, and it gets the movie playing with you of like, Oh, he's, mm. he's about to become the thing. Um, and then he's not. And the wave of relief that goes over him as yeah. though he doesn't know anymore. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. even, it's like, I'm pretty sure I'm human, but who the yeah, fuck yeah, even knows yeah. anymore? Oh yeah. It's awful. <laughs> uh, but also, you know what I do like about uh, the alien is that it can be killed. Yeah. So it's formidable and it's scary as fuck, but it doesn't feel... You know, often in movies, the, the power balance is just a little bit too off. Mm. So if if the, you know, like the humans get a victory, it feels a bit unearned. Yeah. But it feels like all the way through this, well, you might be able to get out of this if you guys can sort your shit out and work together. I thought about that, but then I started thinking... <laughs> All this thing needs is a finger to have been blown free of some explosion and it's not dead. Right. So is it can they ever truly kill it? Like that when when um Palmer gets set on fire and runs through the building and Kurt Russell throws a bit of dynamite at him, he mm. blows up. Mm. So well I guess he's ostensibly dead, but like bits of gore would be all over the place, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't atomize it. Yeah. Does that gore? That gore just you know is it yeah, like the T one thousand where it just like goes back yeah. together and you know so that opens up a whole other avenue oh. where it's like well fucking oh. you know um, is that what infected bleed? Did it even need to be a, a dude? A full dude could have yeah. just been a hand like crawling up, yeah. like like with the head. You know, yeah. that head would have just gone off if they hadn't yeah. torched the head. The head would have gone off, and God knows what it could have turned into. Oh my god! It's, it's really, it's, it's really so awful. Gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like they've turned bacteria into an alien. Yeah, and yeah. at that point, you realise like this is you know this has now become a hundred times more nihilistic and hopeless because mm. if there is no way to truly get rid of every bit of it. Um, other than burning it, other than completely turning it to ash, who knows? Yeah. You know, but there's, there's then the ash blow and you inhale it and, and suddenly it's in your like, lungs. Oh, going, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, 
so I found this little thing um, uh, just before I'm going to ask you about the final scene, uh, but I just wanted to throw this in here. Um, the 2011 movie, in the original ending, Kate was to discover the original pilots of the spaceship, which had all been killed by the thing, which was an escaped specimen they had collected from another planet, implying that the ship was crashed in an attempt to kill the monster. I like that idea because it would be the Norwegian camp in space. Kate sees the pod room and mm. one pod being broken, giving her the clues what happened. What didn't work was what that that what she wanted to find Sander and stop the ship from taking off and still solve the mystery in the ship. Uh, so those two energies didn't work together. Um, kind of like... That's the kind of thing where I read it and I think, oh, yeah, I kind of think that's cool and then there's a part of me that's like i don't know if i ever needed to see that no no again it's that it's that it's again another reason that the 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 early 20 the late 2010s early 2010s is my least favorite era of movies there was this remember this trend of like explaining shit that i never needed an answer for oh yeah yeah you know oh that that awful tim burton willy wonka movie where you know now we've got a scene where oh christopher lee is playing willy wonka's dad and willy wonka's dad was a dentist that never oh that's why he likes chocolate I didn't. He's Willy Wonka. He just likes chocolate. We don't need to know why he <laughs> yeah, likes yeah, chocolate. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, you know. And and the thing is a perfect example of that. Like you've missed the entire point of and what is brilliant about the movie. The, the ambiguity is brilliant about the movie. I don't need to know the, the 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 chemical composition of the atmosphere of the planet that he came from. I don't care. Yeah. You know the fact that the mystery of it is what's horrifying. Yeah. You know it's it's it'd be like seeing too much of the shark in Jaws. I don't. Yeah. You've, you've 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 missed the whole point of this, <laughs> and, and you know even the whole thing of the 2011 movie showing what happened in the Norwegian camp. Isn't it so much more terrifying to walk into the Norwegian camp and see the guy with slit wrists and frozen blood pouring out of his veins and go, I don't know what whatever happened was fucked up, mate. Like it is once again the great thing with Alien is like thinking, you know. It, like, I'd watched Alien a few times before I even thought to think, what was the shit motherfucker that that alien burst out of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I became obsessed with that yeah, yeah, as yeah. a kid. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of don't get it explained, but you kind of get it explained. And it's like, no, oh, it was, you know, it was better back that way. Yeah, absolutely. Your imagination so much. And also just that... You know, I, I heard that they were going to add a coda to the final scene of this film, mm. which showed... Like we can get to that, but would have kind of given a more definitive answer. And so mm. I thank God they didn't. No, no, thank no, no. Thank God no, no, they no. didn't. I no. don't need to see it. Yeah. So what do you reckon? Uh, I go back and forth. So the 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 when I watched it the other night, I was like, McCready's definitely human, and Childs is definitely the thing. Right. Uh, and McCready is got a flamethrower under his jacket, and he's just going to torch Childs. Oh. Any second now. Right. And then I watched it this morning and the overarching feeling I got was, oh no, they're both the thing. Something, something's gone down between yeah. when the base blew up and yeah. the next time we see McCready. Right. And again, there is no definitive answer. No. But just the way they were kind of like, hey, you know, like it, it almost felt like two things locking eyes and going, yeah. no, we're both things. I'm yeah. just going to sit here. We'll freeze out. We'll wait for the chopper and we'll... Yeah off to civilization. Yeah. That that was the feeling I got this morning. And, you know, the next time I watch it, it'll be different again. Yeah. 
that's great. Do you want to know what mine was? Yeah. And this will show you where we're both at. Uh, I, I reckon they're both human. They're all right. Really? Yep. Uh, but I reckon that mistrust is kind of what will be what made it more interesting sure. to me. That they were both <laughs> mistrusting each other kind of felt for me thematically what was wrong from the start with all of these dudes. Right, okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. But I did not think that the last time I watched yeah, of course. it. Yeah, I think the last time I thought McCready, I think I thought McCready was human and... Charles is the thing. Yeah. But there's a... There's a uh, I didn't come up with this on my own. Um, uh, I wasn't this observant. But um, the reason that... The reason the internet thinks that the child that Charles is the oh. thing is... Be- the shadows? No. Oh. The jacket. Oh, right. So there's a very pointed shot when uh, McCready, Knowles, and Gary go out. To, I spent a long time memorizing all the names. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. McCready, Knowles, and Gary go out to Blair's shed and yeah. they leave Childs alone and they're like, yeah. guard it. And there's a locked off shot of him standing at the door and there's three coats on the rack behind him. Right. And then later on, we go, we, the camera's cruising through the place. Yeah. And one of those jackets is gone. Right. And so the theory is that the thing's got him. He's burst his jacket open and he's grabbed another jacket to cover up that he's um, the thing. Oh, right. Again, it's, who knows? Who knows? That's the beauty of it. That is a cheeky little scene, isn't it? Yeah. Good work, internet. Sometimes that is, oh, that is tasty. (laughs) That's one of those things where you go, I'd like to go back and rewatch the whole film now. Uh, Okay, segment. Who and how? Which character do you think you would be? <laughs> and how would you react in their place? I feel like you've already told me. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. Bang. Bye. <laughs> no, I would be, I reckon I'd be, um, the one I empathize the most with, most with was um, uh, uh, Windows. Yeah, right. You know that moment where he's just like, fuck this, and like runs away and grabs the rifle. Yeah. You know, and, and, his, and his reactions seem to be the most human and the most realistic. Like when they... When McCready's uh, out in the snow and they're all like, fuck, he's coming back, he's coming back, and the, and the doorknob's going. Yeah, they're yeah. all like, fucking, no. Oh. They're either, half of them are like, let him stay out there, and half of them are like, let him in and we'll fucking blow him away. Yeah. And Windows is the only guy that goes, what if we're wrong? Yeah. What if we're wrong? And he yeah. stands like, and Charles says, well, we, 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 then we're wrong. Yeah. You know, no harm, no foul. But, yeah. you know, we can't take that risk. Yeah. It seems like he's the most kind of like, this is. Fucked, guys. Every part of this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his death made me the saddest. Yeah. I, I, you know, because he's the most human, I like him the most. And yeah. his death is just... And, and the fact that he, that he reacts as we would, you know, he freezes. Yes. You know, he's, gonna, yeah. he's you know, torch him. And he's just standing there going, what the fuck? What am I even looking at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't get quite enough of that kind of thing, do you? Like, um... Uh, like that's a, that character, you know, he's relatively tough, but he's freaking out, kind of thing. Yeah, you don't quite get that nuance in movies now. Now they're either kind of a little bit more one or the other. Totally, you know. Gary's another really great example of that. The older, the older guy who's yeah. the security, whatever. Um, he has so much going on in his eyes. There's so much grief. And so much fear when they first torch Bennings. Yeah. And he's just like, he was my friend. Like, yeah. what, what, is, what is going on? He's yeah. like, he just yeah. torched my friend. He's like, yeah. he's not your friend anymore. Yeah. And he understands. Like, he's yeah. not debating it. 
But he's also, you know... Pointing out what just happened. I mean, if five minutes from now someone burst in here and torched you, even if part of your head turned into some alien, I'd still be like, they just burnt Justin, what's going on? Oh, man. Whereas everyone else seems to just be like, yeah, this is, I guess this is happening now. It's like, what? like dude... I'm going to release an edition of this podcast where I'm going to just end it with a sound effect of a door being kicked open <laughs> and me being set on fire and you screaming, and then we'll release that, and then I'll release a real one. He was my friend! <laughs> <laughs> we can drop the little editions of that here and there. People don't expect it. Um, yeah, it's, it, sometimes, you know, you should never say what uh, is happening in a scene, mm. but... When that thing is horrific or full on, it makes sense for someone to say, "Whoa, <laughs> what is happening?" <laughs> yeah, like a day, twenty-four hours ago, I was just some dude working in a station, yeah. and now I'm seeing something that I, you know, yeah. could, is beyond imagining. Mate, I, I got angry at a computer chess game. <laughs> what is happening? Who would you be? I would be Blair. I would destroy the vehicles <laughs> and the radio, but rather than kill the dogs, I would have run off with them into the snowstorm, not yeah. to save mankind, but more because I'd be annoyed at everyone and I'd just hang back at, just to prove a point, watch them all get taken out by the thing, <laughs> go off with the dogs. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> Blair's so funny. He's such a funny character when he's just saying, I know what's going on. <laughs> it's tasty, isn't it? Right? <laughs> uh, okay, segment, better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision. Uh, for this one, I have, I have one ruin and two improves. Mm. Okay, yeah. But do, sure. you, uh, do you have anything? Oh, yeah. Ruin it by doing what they did to the 2011 remake. Yeah. Put a bunch of CGI bullshit oh, over back. it. Yeah, go yeah. back in. Oh, let's <laughs> update the special effects. Take away take away the flamethrowers and give them walkie-talkies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and give it a blue-gray colour palette, just like yeah. the late 2010s. <laughs> My favourite era in film. Uh, you know, uh, so <laughs> I don't know why I did this, but when I was putting the script together, this is one of these moments where I'm like, I can't wait to tell Ben this. For some reason, I went, oh, 1992, I wonder what was popular in music. So I went and had a look. And in 1982, uh-huh. Australia's own Little River Band were just outside the top 40 billboard charts for singles. So at the end of the film while they're sitting there, I would have dropped, hang on, help is on its way. (laughs) With the sound of... (laughs) In the background. Yeah, great. Great. Little needle drop for LRB. John Carpenter's the thing. (laughs) Imagine, you know, they would have gotten to do a film clip with the thing yeah. you know yeah the arms around swaying yeah, yeah. just totally ruining any cash it has oh my lord um so my, like these improvements uh i don't even know if they're correct they're uh-huh, more uh-huh. questions uh-huh. maybe a little funnier early on with the dudes mm, maybe i think it's uh, mm, yeah maybe Maybe a couple of like little asides. I think I think it's funny in a very subtle way. Mm. I think it's funny in a very humanistic way. Mm. There's little shots that I think are like when um, uh, uh, Palmer lights up that massive blunt. Oh yeah, and the way Charles true. just reaches his arm out without even looking at it. Oh yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, just little little character beats like yeah. that. I think are, are very good. All right, no, no, you're correct. As I said, I wasn't sure. Yeah. These are the uh, also. Uh, do we need the spaceship at the very beginning? 
Yeah, I think the yeah, I I, agree. I I think that's the that's the I think that's the kind of link between the the old thing and the new thing. I right. think that's that kind of like it's cuz it's almost like a 50s B effect, you yeah. know, of the Yeah. Um yeah, no, I, and, and and the title's quite um full on as well. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I guess it gets you into it gets, also, it gets you into something weird's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the Goldilocks rating yeah. is this movie optimistic, pessimistic, or just right? I was, I was like nihilistic, yeah, it's nihilistic. Yeah, it's a nihilistic movie. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's the most nihilistic one we've watched, and it's so funny because it's the most nihilistic one we've watched so far. But at the same time. I'm trying to remember what have we done under the skin uh, Wally. Wally and 2001 2001 I mean I think it's the most joyful of them all <laughs> right right <laughs> it's the most fun to watch uh, yeah in yeah ter- in terms of like a lark it's yeah. like whoa yeah 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 but when you have a little think about it it's like oh yeah it's whew. yeah it's it, it, like it's overarching message is pretty ugly yeah so summing it up so, gee, uh, uh, I, I honestly, I don't know if I've got anything else more to say about it. I just yeah. think it's, I think it's, um, f- for what it is, you know, again, it's not Citizen Kane, um, but I think it's just a, a perfect, perfectly structured, perfectly paced movie that fills me with a sense of dread that very few other movies yeah. do. And that delicious dread, S- similar to the first Alien. Yeah. Where like you're... You're like really uncomfortable, but you're loving that you're really uncomfortable. As opposed to under the skin, yeah, which makes you feel you know really off kilter, right? But it's a nauseating feeling, which yeah. again is great and and valid. But this is you know um, this is not only all of those things, but it's just a great entertainment. Yeah, like it's a great fucking move, capital M movie. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like just uh, while I was watching it, it was like why. Why have I not gone back to this? Mm. I wonder if it's one of those films also that is... um, It always felt ubiquitous at the video store. Like, everywhere had heaps of copies and there were posters (laughs) because it was a striking poster and, you know, maybe... Like, who knows? Like, it just feels like it was always around. So, uh, I feel like I thought for a while that I'd watched it heaps more Mm. times than I had and then it was like... I'm barely remembering any of this except a, a sense of what I think it is, and I, I've underestimated it. No, I, I, I watch this every, like I said, every couple of years because it's a for me it's a very easy movie to chuck on. Yeah, it's you know the way people talk about whatever Indiana Jones and stuff that aren't really my bag. Uh, this is I think that's in that same wheelhouse for me yeah. where I can chuck this on and have a rollicking great time for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I can engage really deeply if I want to, but I could also just watch it as a cool special effects movie if I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does have a really specific pace, doesn't it? So when you lock in, it's (laughs) like... I I could imagine it's probably one of those rare movies that no matter where it was, if you were, you know, old school dial switching. Oh, yeah. Wherever it was, even right at the start. Oh, well, I'm here. Might as well watch the rest of it. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because it does, it never feels rushed. Yeah. Like it moves at a fucking clip. Yeah. But it also really takes its time. Like I watched today on the, um, on the um, timer as I was scrolling through it. They don't get to the Norwegian base until a good like 17 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, just that dog chase sequence with the helicopters uh, ends like seven minutes into the movie. Yeah. It's nearly 10 minutes of yeah. just, you know, spaceship, title. It's, you know, so it, it, it it's moves at a real pace. I think yeah. the reason, it, once it gets going, it doesn't stop. Oh, man. It, you know, it doesn't stop to even breathe. Yeah. From the moment, um, you know, especially the chest bursting scene on, we're, we're like full tilt to the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's the, pa- like, the pacing is exquisite. It's like going over to a friend's house for dinner. And when you get there, they're really close to serving it. Yeah. And you sit there. And it's not really that long, but because it smells so delicious, yeah, yeah. you're thinking, why is this taking <laughs> yeah. so many hours? Yeah. And then like 20 minutes later, it's served. And then you eat it so quickly, you get to the end. And you go, I don't even know what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what a! I was really glad that we went back to this it's one. Great, it's nice. It's nice to just have more experience and just kind of have a different mindset to be able to really enjoy something. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we got some squid bits. I'm sure you probably know heaps of these. Uh, the film was inspired by the novella "Who Goes There" by John W. Campbell, written under the pen name Don A. Stewart. Mm. Uh, I remember. Uh, I read read this uh, a long time ago. A long time ago, they they kill the alien, Mm. and it was uh, it was creating a device that would allow it to escape the world. I think. Right. Right. I think. Uh Uh, It was also made into a 1951 movie, The Thing from Another World, and was seen as a commentary on the threat of communism Uh in America during the Cold War. In this film, though, the alien has a cellular structure closer to vegetation, although it feeds on blood to survive. Uh One of the characters even refers to it as a super carrot. Uh, Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Super carrot. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, uh, that's interesting that it's a parable in the 50s for communism. And then John Carpenter has um, very much said that uh, early 80s, it's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of AIDS parables in it. Yeah, yeah. With the blood. Yeah, because that's all starting to become a, yeah. uh, a well-known problem and fact yeah. at that point. Well, Kurt Russell said in the, in the same interview, you know, just saying, um, you know, back when they made it, this was before anyone knew... Any like it was like yeah. what is happening? We don't yeah. even know what this thing is. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I vaguely remember, you know. I think I was what ten. Yeah, well, I was mm. across what was going on in the news then, and uh, ugh, mm. you know, like I had a good childhood, but also Jesus Christ, there was oh. a lot going on. Yeah, but as you know, <laughs> there still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobe Hooper was the first choice to direct the movie, but producer Stuart Cohen described. Uh, Hooper's vision as a sort of Antarctica Moby Dick which was as he said vastly different to the source material wow and this version didn't even have a shape-shifting monster yeah wow yeah Yeah, that's uh, that's Rob Boutin's contribution to the film right special effects guy it was his idea that it be a uh, shape-shifter and the idea is that it was um, a uh, basically all those flower forms and everything it's basically every shape that it has been on every other planet that it's visited before it hits Earth. Oh, Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Like. Yeah. Goodness. (laughs) So it really is something that started off as a bacteria and then just ate this and then ate this and then ate this and then ate this and... Yeah. One day it will eat the galaxy. <laughs> uh, Galactus. Yeah. 
John Carpenter wanted the movie to be more like the novella Who Goes There than The Thing from Another World, but did pay tribute to the Howard Hawks movie by recreating its iconic title card mm. that literally burns into the screen. Mm. So visual effects artist Peter Curran... Uh, described how he achieved the effect by drawing the design on an animation cell which he placed behind a fish tank filled with smoke and covered with a trash bag then he lit it on fire and this (laughs) revealed the title yeah so good it's great right and you know what the monster looked like in the original thing it was just some Frankenstein oh yeah it's not a shapeshifter at all it just looks like Boris Karloff yeah (laughs) yeah the go-to yeah you're going to be very happy about this, my friend. Uh, Jed the Dog would go on to star in both of Disney's White Fang movies oh. after making his debut in The Thing. That dog is a hell of an actor. Had never had acting experience hell before that. He actor. was a natural. He, honestly, I would encourage anyone to rewatch just that. It's a 10-second shot of him walking down the hallway. It is so fucking scary. Yeah. It's so scary, and it's yeah, all it's him. Yeah, it's Kubrick-esque. Yeah, it's Kubrick-esque, and, yeah. it's, and it's all that dog. And I'm sure there were people, you know, on either side of each door that it stops at and everything going, stop, go, but my God, it's it's flawless performance. <laughs> it's a flawless <laughs> performance. It's almost um, like that's uh, stream-like, isn't it? It mm. feels like it's on the edges of your subconscious. Yeah, yeah. And e- even the way it's looking out the window when uh, the chopper arrives back from the Norwegian base... You know, just even I, mean, I remember the first time I saw it before I even knew what was going to happen. Like, clearly, there's something weird about the dog. I yeah. didn't realize its face was going to burst open and it was going to like have tentacles spraying <laughs> yeah. out of it. But even I remember the first time I watched it being like, oh, yeah. yuck, there's something yeah. not right about that dog. You know who the worst dog actor in a movie is? <laughs> and it's, uh, but I love him. Is uh, there's this <laughs> atrocious movie with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet called. Um, uh, over the mountains or... Oh, the way the helicopter crashes? Yeah, 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 yeah with the plane crashes. Uh, and uh, and uh, they're meant to have been out in the snow for, you know, however, you know, for a long time. And there's them acting like, oh, no, you know, we've got all these problems going on. I've got a broken leg. Oh, how are we going to survive? And the dog in every scene's like, I'm in the snow, 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 I did a wee, it went yellow, I'm in the snow. Every scene. And it got me through the whole film. Oh. <laughs> Terrible actor, but mate, he saved it. <laughs> One of the great cameos. <laughs> I would... That's the only reason I would watch that movie. If you had a few friends over and you felt like, let's have something on where we don't, because yeah, we're going to yeah, gas yeah. bag, yeah. and we can snack, and yeah. then, oh, hang on, here's the dog. I'm in the snow. Yay. I'm in the snow. <laughs> Joyful dog. Um, so, uh, the moment Doc Cooper's arms are chomped off mm. was achieved by having a man who had lost both his arms in an industrial accident while wearing a mask modelled from actor Richard Dysart's face. Mm. The actor also wore fake arms made of jelly, wax bones and rubber in the close-up. It's a great shot. Like, you know, when you're thinking, why am I having such a weird reaction to... A special effect. Mm-hmm. And then you hear that and you go, oh, yeah, that sounds like the ingredients to make me shiver. Again, just sorry to go back to my banging on about practical effects, but that's what I love about practical effects as well, mm. where it is a multi-tiered, how are we going to achieve this? We're going to get a guy mm. with no arms. We're going to get gelatin bones. We're going to get a giant puppet that looks unlike, you know, as opposed to just, oh, yeah, just we'll do it in post. Yeah. 
and and a quick thing about Doctor C- um, Copper. Don't you love that he's got a nose ring? Oh yeah, yeah so yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. <laughs> it is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just says so much about the yeah. character without, without saying, saying anything. You go, yeah. 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 You know, I, I reckon I trust this guy. Guy in the late, in the late 50s and the early 80s having yeah. a nose ring. You're a cool yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You march to your own beat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it does kind of, for some reason, make you feel comfortable as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you've got a lot of experience, but you still think, you know, yeah. fuck the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, spe- uh, special effects designer Rob Botton, who you've already mentioned, uh, hospitalised for exhaustion by the end of production mm. of the movie. In an interview, Botton said, I was so wanting this stuff to come out so great. I actually lived at Universal for a year and five weeks without taking a day off. I'd sleep on the sets. I ended up working so hard that I ended up in the hospital yeah. at the end of the show. Worth it. And uh, legendary makeup and effects artist uh, Stan Winston was brought in after Botton went to hospital, refused to take a credit. Yeah. That's why he gets a thank you. Yeah. Which makes you go, cool. Oh, aren't you fantastic yeah. as well? Uh, editor Todd Ramsey approached Carpenter with the idea of a more hopeful ending. They shot an alternate scene where McCready <laughs> is rescued and confirmed to still be human. Yeah. I'd just be... It's completely incongruent with everything that's come before it. Yeah. It would have felt... And you occasionally see movies like... I can't... Nothing comes off the top of my head, but you occasionally see movies like that where, you know... Well, Blade Runner. The first Blade Runner kind of has this weird... Hang on, you just showed me this whole world where everything is ruined and then at the end it's like, oh, but they, they, they just went to the forest. Yeah, no, not good. Not good. I well, love that film, but it's still a bit... Oh. Yeah, and it's clear, but it's not a creative decision. It's a studio decision. Yeah. Or occasionally where they, you know, they don't even add an extra scene. They just have a title card at the end going, and everything turned out okay after the after everything yeah. you just saw. Yeah. Uh, come on. Yeah. No, right. with Some you. movies can just be nihilistic. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. There's not enough, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm incorrect in saying this, but it doesn't feel like there's enough of of a broad enough palette of kind of different films to really sink your teeth into on a being released on a regular basis. They all feel so. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I, 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 attacking a positive ending onto something that has been really nihilistic to me is more nihilistic. It's like, no, yeah. come on, man. Like this is. And everything um, was okay. Little, little shop of horrors did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know what the original ending of that was. No. Um, so in the original little shop of horrors, um, the plant, eats everyone yeah uh and it's it's a really it's a really fucking ugly ending right. and basically takes over the world yeah um some capitalist comes in takes clippings and sells them in flower shops all around the world and the, the same thing repeats and repeats and repeats and the studio test audience hated the ending so much they demanded a happy ending and i always blanched against that for years like and i always wanted to see the original ending that they did and i've seen it and I reckon it's the one time in the history of film that test audiences was right. Oh, it's really? Too, it's too much. Right. You, you love these characters by the end of this movie and seeing Rick Moranis feeding, <laughs> feeding Audrey to the plant and then climbing in and committing suicide. It's like, ah, oh, it's too much. Oh, like, my not, Lord. Not good. <laughs> that's good to know that, you know, sometimes occasionally, things... Occasionally yeah. they're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a good confluence of people who got what was going on. Yeah. Wow. That's a good story. I didn't know that. That's a bit of a blank spot, that movie. I've only ever seen it once. We should uh, throw Perfect. that in somewhere. Perfect movie. Uh, director of photography, Dean 
Kandi said in a 2016 interview with Blumhouse, so we were looking for some kind of a subtle way to say which one of these men might be human. You'll notice there's always an eye light. We call it a little glean in the eye of the actor. It gives life. So if you see shadows over the brow, that means oh. they're the alien. Uh Ennio Morricone was nominated mm. for a Razzie Award for his music for The Thing. What? In fact, Carpenter used little of the legend's work because he didn't feel it suited the mood or atmosphere of the movie. In a moment of supreme irony, Morricone repurposed some unused music from his score for The Thing for his 2015 film, The Hateful Eight, which yes. earned him his first and only Academy Award, not counting the honorary Oscar he won in 2007. Yeah. Crazy he only ever won one. Isn't that insane? I mean, you know, that, that that's the history of the Oscars, right? Yeah. A lot of the greats, you know. And then when they do win, it's usually for a movie that's like, what? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like when Scorsese won for The Departed, it's like, oh, what? Yeah, Pacino for Scent of a Woman. Yeah, like, what's you happening? Know, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm happy for him, but yeah. no, 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 no. it's no. not, yeah. Um, but speaking of The Hateful Eight, that the thing is one of the biggest inspirations for The Hateful Eight. Oh, right, right. Tarantino said that, that it's right. um, it's a couple of them, but the thing is like a huge inspiration. Ah, um, okay. Like, you know, the, the mounting paranoia, yeah, the yeah. people trapped in a, one location in the snow. Yeah. Mm. Ah. Which is why he went to the Ennio Morricone music right. for the thing. That was after the fact. I'm about to say something that I honestly never thought I was going to say, but I might watch that again. <laughs> I rewatched it. Oh. I don't like it. Right. That's all right. No, no, no. But, um... No. I mean, it truly is a hateful movie. It's a hateful, right. hateful movie. Right. Well, they're not lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't say the, the happy, happy joy, eh? <laughs> you turn up, these guys are hateful. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spell check. <laughs> Spell check will one day take down a film. Um... Uh, Kurt Russell wasn't the first choice for his role. So I'm going to list some names. And, like, I, I think it's great that it's Kurt Russell. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, change yeah, it. Yeah. But rather than just read them through, it's worth, a, like, Christopher Walken. No. But Ugh. it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Right? Yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte. Maybe. Nick Nolte would be good. Jeff Bridges. Yeah, I mean, I always like, get Jeff Bridges and Kurt Russell confused anyway. <laughs> right, yeah, young young Jeff Bridges, yeah. like handsome Jeff. Yeah. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Uh, they were all approached but turned it down. Ed Harris, Fred Ward and Brian Dennehy all read for the role. But Russell got it in the end, especially after they'd worked together on uh, yeah. their last film. It's got so, be but it, it should be Kurt. Yeah. But it's... But Walken it would have been strange. Yeah. I think I, I think I think I think because if there's so many offbeat characters in that twelve, yeah, I think you've got to have the guy, the reluctant <laughs> take charge guy. I don't think you can have another weird character actor as the yeah, as no, the main yeah, yeah. kind of force. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, this is, I can't do a Christmas walk. I, was gonna, I don't know why I, I tried either. <laughs> I, uh, I used to be able to do one. Haven't done one in ages. Started to pulled out. Yeah. You took over. Didn't want to leave you I reached, hanging. but there was nothing there. Nah, it's fine. That's good. It means we're still trying. Um, <laughs> it is never mentioned in the film, but Carpenter and Russell worked out a backstory for MacReady. Do you, do you, it's only like a He's few a words. He's a Vietnam helicopter pilot. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I or? didn't know that. Oh, yeah. you did know that. I oh, know right. That. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, disaffected alcoholic Vietnam vet and yeah. chopper pilot who was reluctant to be thrust back into a leadership role, yeah. which I didn't know any of that, but yeah. it's funny you read something, you go, oh, yeah, of course. subconsciously I assumed that. Yeah. Uh, there's a reaction shot where McCready is shocked after throwing a stick <laughs> of dynamite. This is an acting. Russell was surprised because he misjudged the strength of the blast yeah, yeah, yeah. after throwing the dynamite. was actually not backwards. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practical effects. Them talking about that on the commentary track is fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought um, they missed uh, uh, they missed an opportunity at the Oscars when Dunkirk was nominated to show that scene where the bombs are dropping and when that person goes up, yeah. just come back and say, uh, and you know, Nolan known for his attention to realism. Uh, that was that was his uh, cousin <laughs> in He's memoriam. Dead. Yeah, it will be you'll be seeing him later on. Don't want to say where. You can work it out. Anyway. Probably too dark. <laughs> uh, the cast were shuttled to uh, one of the sets in British Columbia, Levia, a six-hour bus ride. Mm. And during the long-distance drive on an icy road in the middle of an intense snowfall, the bus slid and almost went over the edge of a cliff. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my, like, Jesus Christ. That probably explains a lot of that acting. They were probably uh, all on, you know, like some fucking... You know, have you ever had like a moment where you go? I've had a moment in a plane. Yeah, yeah. Oh not, man, not bus. The, the adrenaline, oh, yeah. like, just lasts for. Oh yeah, months. I was on a plane where the lights went out and the plane dropped. Oh yeah, no. And anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, you realise what kind of a um, how how cowardly, how brave you are in that moment. Yeah, and I am a coward. Yeah, <laughs> I just would have run to the front and said, "Here, give me this," and pulled them out. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to believe that I'll be anything other than the bravest person in the room yeah. because, well, there's no point doubting yourself. <laughs> Maybe you will be. Maybe. I don't reckon I will. Mm. Maybe I will. <laughs> Maybe I would take over. <laughs> uh, dear. So uh, Keith David broke his hand shortly before production began. The actor turned up without proper medical treatment and the filmmakers saw how small in his hand was. So they had to send him off to get proper care. So they continued filming and he wore a glove painted to match his skin colour. Really? And his broken hand is mainly out of frame for the first oh, part of hilarious. the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, even, even that's a practical effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the production crew really blew up the sets for when the research station mm-hmm. burns down. So I think, but... Like they had to go in and like set the mm. charges and then run off. All those explosions are out of control. Oh my lord! Uh, so uh, in the film, you know uh, the guy on the roller skates, Knowles. Knowles. Yeah. Uh, he vanishes during the climax, and it's never mentioned again. But uh, in Alan Dean Foster's novelization, do you know that? Do you know Alan Dean Foster? Did you read his stuff as a kid? No. He's this great, like one of the all-time great uh, authors of my youth who. Mm wrote novelizations or he wrote like a uh, a sequel to Star Wars called Splinter in the Mind's Eye right. and that was before you knew that Empire Strikes Back was coming so you know he would uh, do yeah, stuff yeah. like that and he yeah. was great yeah. so um so in his novelization he includes a scene from an earlier screenplay draft where Knowles is cornered by the alien and kills himself rather than be assimilated I see yeah there I would, you go. I would have been Knowles yeah there actually was a a, a sequence filmed for what, what happened to Knowles. Right. Did you know about this? No. So they created this effect where the 
monster bursts out and it's half Blair. It's got dogs bursting out of its stomach. Yeah. Um, and it's all stop motion miniature. Right. Uh, and the sequence is on the Blu-ray. Um, but Carpenter cut it because it was too obviously stop motion. Oh, and right. And that's when Knowles would have been um, consumed. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I actually think it's better that he just disappears and you just assume. Oh, man. Like, it just adds to the paranoia. Yeah. So, hang on. But, like... Yeah. Now we're not even seeing what's happening yeah, to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Uh, do you know how many people were operating the monster towards the end of the film? A lot, right? Fifty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Far out. Yeah. Uh, we we touched on this before, but part of the fear the movie played into back in 1982 was that in the real world the AIDS epidemic was becoming a major issue, mm-hmm. and the idea that you couldn't tell who was infected just by looking at them, you had to test the blood, etc., was an idea that was not lost on Carpenter. Mm. Uh, America was also living through a recession, which might be why the nihilistic tone was probably rejected, yeah. you know. Uh, E.T., oh, look, that boy can fly in a push bite. This, Oh, no, I can't trust Fred, you know. <laughs> totally. Um, film magazine Sin Fantastique declared the movie as instant junk, a wretched excess, and proposed the film as being the most hated film of all time. Oh, yeah, good on you, SinFX. So good. I knew that would make you angry. Um, Carpenter likened the ending of the film to a World War II movie where the crew was set, sent on a suicide mission. They know they, even if they fulfill the mission, they won't survive. Uh, in 2004, Empire magazine, Carpenter pictured a sequel to the film beginning where the original left off with McCready and Childs struggling to survive the Antarctic climate until a rescue team arrived. He even planned on having Russell and David reprising their roles and using the idea that injuries from frostbite would disguise their older ages. <laughs> Not sure that's how frostbite works, John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> like... You know, you know, you go, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, the success of the movie Alien in 1979 actually helped the movie get back on track with finances. Uh, the original ending by Bill Lancaster was to have both McCready and Childs turn into the thing. And when they're saved in the spring by a helicopter, they greet the pilot with, hey, which way to a hot meal? <laughs> I want to call. I want to call my next stand-up show. Hey, which way do I hot meal? <laughs> uh, very good. Yeah, I just like. Doesn't that like? Isn't that just the greatest ending? Yeah, it's it's it's, like, it's akin to the um, last line of um, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a little, I think you're looking him up for dinner. <laughs> yeah, it's like just putting a little razzle dazzle in the yeah, end yeah, of yeah. the thing. <laughs> Oh, that made me laugh. Uh, so, anyway, this will really surprise you. Carpenter thought that ending was too shallow. So, in the novella, they kill the alien, but they're concerned when they see birds flying to the mainland, possibly yeah. infected. Yeah. So, Carpenter believed both men slowly freezing to death to save humanity was the ultimate heroic act. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he also said he knows in the end who the thing is, but refuses to tell anyone. Yeah. And he alludes to that in the commentary. It's very funny. And I reckon he probably doesn't. No. Well, he, and, and but it doesn't he mean, says that, And it doesn't right? even matter yeah. what he thinks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's irrelevant, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, as I say, it's different every time. Never explain it. Never explain Never it. Never explain it. No, he won't. He won't. I, t- I keep banging on about how it's like I've got to stop letting my eyes wander over anything that has Quentin Tarantino in oh, it yeah. as he comes in and says, you know how you really like my movie? Well, let me just ruin it a little mm. bit more for you. No interpretation. 
yeah. get fucked. God damn. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, what a good one to go back to. And uh, I don't know what we're doing next, actually. Like, I know we've got our list. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Maybe, uh, maybe something a little less edgier. Or do we just drive this podcast bus into the ravine of despair? Well, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll sort it out. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll do all of it. <laughs> to Ben Elwood for helping me discuss another great science fiction movie. Uh, I don't know if he would want me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It is his 40th birthday today. It is, if you're listening to this podcast on the 11th of November and you would like to send him a happy birthday message, uh, it's today. So, uh, happy birthday, Ben. Uh, It's been uh, lovely being your friend and uh, really enjoy working with you. And uh, I think the best is yet to come from young Benjamin. So, uh, you will continue to enjoy him here and uh, some of his little projects as well. They're really exciting. Uh, This brings us to the halfway point of this limited series. So, we're going to do another 180 degree spin for next week. And we are watching E.T. What an absolutely great movie Uh, we've already watched it we've already watched it we've already recorded uh the podcast and it's uh it's a really fun one so make sure you check in with us for that thank you also to our patron of the episode linda moulton thank you so much for your continued support and i hope you enjoyed our musings on this movie if you'd like to subscribe head over to patreon and look up justin hamilton big squid you'll find a tier that suits you uh, I'll be back tomorrow with a mini pod and uh, that will contain my review of the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, and a little taste of the Q&A patron-only episode that uh, has Cameron James that will be released next week. Uh, let's finish this episode with a quote from the master himself, John Carpenter. In England, I'm a horror movie director. In Germany, I'm a filmmaker. In the US, I'm a bum. So funny. So funny. Until then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.